bonus content. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Some people are wondering, how could you possibly sum up 10 years, a lifetime for some, mm-hmm. into one 30-minute chunk, however you've come <laughs> to the right two guys. We are going to do it right here. Now that, we, that we're turning the page on the 2010s, let's, let's take a look back and really th- take a deep, incisive dive into the greatest cinema that cinema had to offer over the last decade. Huh? John, let's do that. Huh? I, I, I like that idea. And what's great is we're the only people who have ever done this. Like, this is the only place you can find it. Yeah. And I also like that we wait until the very last day of the decade so we can cram in more. Because <laughs> you and I are not professional movie critics. We don't have a pool of 800 to 1,000 movies to actually <laughs> surmise. Instead, we were wise consumers, I think. And this is why we're only looking at the best of the decade and not the worst. Because you and I can see a, a clunker from a mile away. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I don't know. I'm like looking at my list and then comparing it to like other lists. And I'm like, wow, I don't see enough movies, <laughs> but maybe they watch too many movies or maybe they have terrible taste because for some reason, Mad Max Fury Road ended up on a, a number one on a lot of people's lists. Yeah. Which, I don't know if they were trying think, to get their like nerd credentials or something by doing that. I don't know. Well, no, I don't think it's nerd credentials. I think it's more mainstream. Like, like, Hey, we're not a hoity toity oh. who just, who just wants the, the foreign movie about gay cowboys eating pudding. We're not all about <laughs> that <laughs> we also like the the action movies that have a feminist twist in them as well no yeah that said i was disappointed to see synonyms which is one of the most average movies i saw this year <laughs> because like uh winning accolades at the end of 2019 but yeah I'll, I'll get over it uh okay. what i like what i love about this the little bonus episode that we're doing is that we couldn't agree on a format you want to go by our favorite movie year by year from 2010 yeah. through 2000 uh, 19. Well, just, I want to do a top 10 of the year, so I thought, why don't we just do both? Okay. <laughs> why don't you give us your favorite <laughs> from, 2000, not, from 2010 through 2019? I'll give them my top 10. How about okay. that? <laughs> See, for me, and we ran into this when we did our top 100, I have a real hard time like deciding between like rankings, but if I do it by year, then I'm like, all right, definitively, it's really easy, because I'm really only picking from like three movies. So <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's fair, too. Yeah. I had that problem because I couldn't decide on like a number 10. I knew I wanted to include Moonlight, which is mm-hmm. obviously one of the best of the years, a deserving best picture winner for for the Oscars. But I also really liked Paul, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson's Phantom Thread. <laughs> and these two movies like couldn't be a sharper contrast. Mm-hmm. And so they were going to be tied for my number 10. But no, let's I'll, I'll capitulate, John. I'll, I'll, I'll go by your uh, favorite by year. Okay. So do you want to start in 2010? Well, so in this, <laughs> well, it's funny that you bring this up because I think I'm going to save 2010 for last because that's oh, okay. actually my favorite film of the decade. So let's maybe start, you start at 2010, I'll start at 2011, and then okay. we'll work our way up from there. All right. Uh, well, starting in 2010, it, it really opened in a bang for me because I adored The Social Network. That would be like around number five of my favorite films of the decade. I'd love boo! That. Boo! <laughs> I, I, know you, I know you're a huge fan of Aaron Sorkin, and you were disappointed to see... Uh, uh, David Fincher butcher his screenplay so terribly, <laughs> or follow it, or follow it to the letter, which I think is maybe what you saw in it. I I saw that Aaron Sorkin reads a really good director to cut through the the fat, and there's a lot of fat in his stuff. <laughs> I just think it's funny that like t- looking back at 2010, there's like all the directors that I would just get sick of are kind of like all yeah. typified here. We've got David Fincher and The Social Network. What, uh, what else we have? We have um. 
Oh, Christopher no Nolan, Christopher maybe. Nolan with Inception, yeah. and of course the venerable Tom Hooper with a King's Speech. <laughs> His career now, just granted, skyrocketed. <laughs> yeah, now granted he wasn't a household name then. Yeah, but yeah, you could see how some directors get a little overindulgent or focus on their one thing. But mm-hmm. yeah, so John, let's cast our minds back to this calendar year. What was your favorite of 2019? Oh, 2019, uh, I would definitely go with Toy Story 4. Still Toy okay. Story 4. Now, granted, yeah. I think there's a few things I'm probably going to catch up with in January, so that's always subject to change. But Toy Story 4, uh, for some reason, just hit me like an atom bomb, and I have to give that... I- I'm not proud of it. I'm not going to like <laughs> laud it as like the best Toy Story, obviously, but uh, mm-hmm. it just hit me right in, right in, the, in, the, in the feels. In the feels. Right okay. in, the, in the gonads of my heart. So, yeah. <laughs> John, I... The audience won't judge you for mm-hmm. for liking that movie yes. and saying it's your favorite of the year. I will. Okay. <laughs> I thought it was far too busy, and it's children's entertainment and beneath you in many ways. But yeah, for right. some reason, and yeah. Uh, moving on for me, 2011. Uh, I have a feeling what your favorite movie that year is going to be, so I'm going to go with another one. Uh, <laughs> this one I actually saw much later on Netflix. It's it's one of those like great hidden gems from a foreign f- country that Netflix kind of takes in and says, hey, we need content. Can you give us your movie? And so this is from Norwegian director uh, Joachim Trier, uh, and he did a, an exceptional movie called Oslo, August 31st. Mm. Uh, it's based on uh, Pierre Le Fou, the, uh, that that book about uh, dealing with addiction. In this case, it's a young man dealing with his heroin addiction, and he just gets out of rehab and tries to kind of cobble together the pieces of his life uh, on this one day. So, mm. yeah, again, great searing drama. I adored it, and uh, yeah, that was my favorite of, of 2011. I've heard uh, uh, I've you, heard you a lot of good it. things about that one. So yeah, yeah. I'll give you, I'll, all right, all right, I'll I'll, I'll believe that one. But uh, mm. you know, let's. I'm gonna keep a close eye on you and what you pick. Yeah, I have a lot of foreign movies. So La di da. Yeah. Well, Greg, you you had a sneaking suspicion you knew what I would pick for 2011, but I'm gonna surprise you a little bit. I'm going with. Oh, I thought I thought you were gonna go backwards, but okay. Oh no, I'm going weekend. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. Oh, so so I guess we should before you talk about weekend, let's commend Michael Shannon and Take Shelter. Yes. Which was also, I think. Our favorite movie that we actually saw that year. We, we went to the theater together and saw it, and we both adored it. But yes, it was absolutely. Yeah. It's an absolutely uh, brilliant, tight movie. A great, like, little character drama. A yeah. lot of fun. Really well directed. Check it out. What, what what's he been up to? Uh, he hasn't done anything since Loving. What's happening? Uh, I don't know. I think kind of. Uh, what was the movie called? Midnight Special. Yeah, he did Midnight Special. Yeah, that was kind of a, a big swing, and, and unfortunately a bit of a miss because uh, some pe- some people were baffled by it. Mm-hmm. I, I'm sure one of these days uh, that director will get gobbled up by the studio machine, and he'll be directing. <laughs> okay. I don't know, Dark Phoenix Two or some other I don't know piece of crap. The New Mutants. <laughs> yeah. More mutants, please. <laughs> How about a movie that's gonna come out? Huh? Oh, okay. <laughs> But anyway, John, tell us about Weekend. Uh, weekend is a uh, a little tiny drama. It's a uh, two guys hook up one weekend, and before you know it, they realize they're in love. But one's leaving the next day for America. Oh, what yeah. a pity! And it's by uh, Andrew Haig, I believe yep. is his name. Um, he's done a, a lot of things this weekend or this uh, decade. He's he's on the up and up. He did that show Looking. He got nominated for uh, I believe it was oh what is that movie? With the old 45 people. years? Yeah, 45, 45 years. years. Uh, he's had quite an interesting career yeah. since then, but uh, I, I love the kind of intimacy of this movie and just kind of how powerful it is. And, you know, you get that, that hungry sense. He's hungry. He's, he wants yeah. it bad. <laughs> so I go outside, like, you know, just to Jamie's or, or to Tesco's or to work. 
hard to explain. Really. <laughs> it kind of feels like I've got indigestion. Like, it actually feels exactly like indigestion. And it just makes me angry. You know that I feel like that because because it is it's so fucking pathetic. You know, I'm, I'm a grown man and I look at you and, and I see you and you can do it and you're amazing. Yeah, yeah, I really like the movie he did. I think it was last year called Lean on Pete. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really like that movie, and I did like Weekend. Um, I like that final scene on the on the subway platform. Like that scene sticks out in my head. So that's uh, again pretty good, like slice of life drama. Um, you know, so yeah, that's that's an admirable pick. I think okay. Take Shelter's better, but okay. no, oh, oh well, okay. <laughs> yeah, uh, have this fun is, being this is becoming the Judge John hour. Uh, <laughs> I hope you're ready for it. Oh, wait till you see my next pick. You're gonna uh, love okay. it. Okay, <laughs> tell us about 2012 then, huh? 2012, Moonrise Kingdom, baby. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Wes Anderson, my uh, favorite. Class solidarity, white rich folk and white rich folk <laughs> problems. Yes, <laughs> give me more. <laughs> I admired. Moonrise Kingdom to an extent, mm-hmm. but I challenge anybody to tell me what the hell happened in the final third of it when there's a rainstorm and he goes back to his stupid dollhouse diorama like aesthetic. <laughs> Greg, it's not a Wes Anderson movie unless someone's dangling from something up high I for just, the climax. <laughs> I know, no, it, it, that forced my thumb downwards on that the <laughs> climax of that movie. But anyway, no, right. For for 2012 for me it was one clear favorite and that was Ryan Johnson's Looper. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a, that was a great marrying of uh, like a cool sci-fi concept with a, but also making it very accessible. It was very much like a Hollywood movie even though I think it was released by Lionsgate or something. And I I think that's also what audiences wanted in terms of a Star Wars movie like somewhat. Uh, like a like a cool concept with uh, hard boiled characters, and instead, <laughs> with uh, the uh, the last Jedi, he went with uh, kind of broad comedy instead, but <laughs> and kind of and kind of goofiness. But I, I I liked Looper a lot. It's it's he's definitely like established himself as a great filmmaker. Then uh, when I only like kind of admired his first two movies, like Looper is definitely a, I think I still think a, a very good movie. Okay. I mean, he obviously, I think if there's one thing that typifies his career, it's his understanding of the genre and his way mm-hmm. to kind of like pick them apart. And obviously when you're dealing with time travel, there's a lot of kind of interesting ways you can take it. And I think he probably did. I still haven't seen it, but uh, I'll, I've seen The Last Jedi now and I've seen Knives Out. So I'm like, all right, this kid's got something going on. All right. I, <laughs> you think so? <laughs> You think you think he's the next next big name? You think? Uh, eh, all right, I'll give him I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Let's see what you got next. All right, you're only yeah. as good as your last picture, kid. Don't get cocky. <laughs> all right, moving on. Rapid fire, John. Next all right. year, 2013. 2013. Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, baby. Yeah. Sex, coke, drugs, money. <laughs> I I was surprised. I thought you'd go with Captain Phillips, but uh, I like Captain Phillips a lot. But really, for me, I think. Overall, The Wolf of Wall Street feels like a more complete film. Like, mm-hmm. with Captain Phillips, it's like, yes, it, thematically, it's got a lot going for it. It's got great performances. But for me, I think, looking back on it, what really got to me is that final scene with Tom Hanks. Like, that scene where he breaks down and cries. Like, that yeah. that's just kind of like, everything's building up to that moment. And 
while that it's still a very good movie, uh, I don't think that's enough to hold it up as opposed to The Wolf of Wall Street, which is more of a complete picture. Ah, I see. Okay. Yeah. Uh, for me, 2013, this is going to be another weird one. Mm-hmm. Again, Greg's got to establish his bona fides. Do you remember Upstream Color? Yes, I do. <laughs> Worm as a metaphor for rape, I guess. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> I Yeah, I think it's it's one of those movies where you kind of like give yourself over to it. It was between that and, and another one. Terrence Malick's To the Wonder. <laughs> um, I like To the Wonder a little bit. Actually, that's probably my favorite uh, Terrence, Terrence recent, Malick. Yeah, like new Terrence Malick. This decade, yeah. Terrence Malick, I should say. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I think that was the one that was the most palatable uh, because like dramatic sequences take place inside a sonic drive-in and <laughs> in, in suburbia. And you can kind of understand this is a story of a relationship, uh, namely his relationship. Yeah. I think that's the other thing, too, is I think we see directors be more directly personal this decade <laughs> and uh yeah that was very good but i i like the the boldness of <laughs> upstream color i'm gonna give it to that i think mm, okay <laughs> i mean I, look i like a movie to be challenging a little bit but it's like there's yeah. a certain level of obtuseness you can go for where it's like okay stop <laughs> all yeah. right cut it out <laughs> all right fair enough 2014, I'm going to get a lot of derision for this, but I don't care. Birdman. I love Birdman. Birdman's my favorite. <laughs> Give me more Birdman, please. I know. I, I feel like we've talked about this before at mm-hmm. ad nauseum to some extent. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, you you like the... And it, it, it explained like the, the virtues again. Like It wasn't just a great Ed Norton performance. Uh, like And maybe the conceit of the, the, the one shot... Uh, was also compelling. I, I think it was very good and light on its feet. I, I didn't like the critic. I didn't like some of that stuff. But <laughs> I mean, yes, on the one hand, it's definitely not as deep as it thinks it is. Mm-hmm. But you could also argue that maybe that's kind of the point because the point is that he's trying to like elevate his art form. He's trying to go for a pretentious uh, he's obviously, oh, I'm going to be a uh, theater guy now. I'm going from the superhero game to like being theater. I'm going to be pretentious. But really, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. Um, it's all just kind of like spectacle for your eyeballs. And I think yeah. that's ultimately what the, the message of the movie is. So, But I can also kind of see people getting turned off by it, especially you who like to think like, no, art for, like art film obviously is the most important uh, spectacle <laughs> and obviously the most res- you know respected uh, art form there is. And if you're going to make fun of it, then you're the fool. How dare you challenge the, the status quo? You no, know? of course you can. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I do think probably the negative response is, yes, it's a little too navel-gazy at times, yeah. and it's definitely pretentious, but I think that's kind of an admirable quality of it. <laughs> like, if it wasn't, like, that earnestly pretentious, then I think it would feel a little... It wouldn't feel aesthetically appropriate, shall we say. Yeah, right. yeah. fair enough. Mm-hmm. Um, not that I wanted to judge, because my favorite movie of 2014 was Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. This is one that uh, repeat viewings rewards, because I get to see some of the... Well, you remember how the first half of the movie's drenched in rain, mm-hmm. and then after Koba, like, uh, shoots again. We're talking about digital apes here. <laughs> shoots Caesar, dual wielding AK forty seven. Yes. Then war breaks out. Then becomes fire. Like yeah. So there, there's a lot. Of, I I found a lot of like good thematic resonance in it in this like Hollywood spectacle. So that's that's what I really admired about it. Um, which again is only due to repeat viewings. No. Like I loved it the first time I saw it, and I liked it even more when I got to like catch up on some of that stuff. I mean, that is kind of the weird thing. It's like. 
we we kind of bemoan like oh there's too many franchise picture everything has to be like kind of based on something else but sometimes you do get like a lot of really good art that way like logan for yeah. example like that was still nominated for best picture right or, mm, was it or it's well no it was nominated for like best adapted screenplay okay yeah didn't didn't earn a best picture nomination and i have qualms with that but... <laughs> okay <laughs> or qualms with the movie not with the the fact that it gets accolades i don't care what movie gets accolades <laughs> yeah it's all but it's all pointless but yeah <laughs> But I, I could see what you mean. Like they, it, like Joker, or I could say some other. Like you're kind of fitting in, like really bold statements inside what is supposed to be accessible entertainment, or that has this kind of pre-recognition of a, of let's say a, a recognized property. Human. What? Human. Human work. All right, mm-hmm. moving on. 2015. 2015. Yeah, I think I think we have the same one. It's it's the namesake of it's one of the namesakes of our show. Spotlight. Spotlight. <laughs> <laughs> Love Spotlight. Um, yeah. Again, and hopefully, and hopefully not just because we grew up in the era uh, in Boston in the era the, in which this movie depicts. Yeah, but no, I think there's obviously a lot uh, working for it. It's it it mm-hmm. finds that perfect balance of like uh, boots on the ground documentary style. Like this is exactly how it kind of played out, but still also playing up those dramatic stakes and reminding you, oh yeah, this is a movie. Like yeah, so I think it it. Because, you know, one way or the other, then it kind of like, those are two kind of diametrically opposed things that sometimes just don't work. And for some reason, yep. they found the perfect balancing act here. So, mm-hmm. spotlight. But I, I guess we should also call out The Hateful Eight, which was great. And uh, The Room uh, was maybe also... for you. <laughs> you didn't like The Hateful Eight? No, nah, I didn't like it that much. Okay. I liked it a lot. And I yeah, also liked it was Room a lot. Too overindulgent again. No, that's true. Yeah. Room I haven't caught up on, which, again, makes this whole enterprise pointless. But <laughs> Okay. <laughs> All right, 2016. Yeah, I think we'll also have the same one. Also, Best Picture winner, Moonlight. Moonlight. Hey, everyone's in agreement. Yes, but I will uh, switch my pick a little bit. Oh. This movie actually premiered at Cannes 2016, Mm -hmm. but didn't uh, appear on American Shores until 2017. But I've got another pick for 2017, so I want to put a spotlight on my favorite movie from a filmmaker who had a very good decade, Hirokazu Kureda, and that movie was After the Storm. Mm. Um, I know he got he got his most plaudits for Shoplifters, which was a, a very sweet movie about this uh, this ragtag uh, quote family mm. of uh, of uh, ne'er do wells like trying <laughs> to make their way in in society. But I really liked uh, After the Storm for its blend of comedy drama, all centered around the schmuck father like trying to ingratiate himself back in the family. So. <laughs> That's the one I, I appreciated more, and that's my favorite of, of his in the decade. I I do want to point out that I, I want to put shine a spotlight on him because all of his movies are, are virtually the same. Mm-hmm. And so, like, 
I I really got to look for what what really raises like uh what really elevated like um let's say let's say the heartstrings most and in this case it was uh, after the storm. Um, it also points. It's also uh, fair to point out that he did try to do another kind of movie this decade called like the Third Murder, and it's like a searing courtroom, portentous courtroom drama. <laughs> nice. and nobody liked it. Yes, and nobody liked it. No. And so he went back to where his his bread's butter, and that's his uh, tasteful family dramas. <laughs> oh. What a little bitch. <laughs> <laughs> No, John. Here cause a creative cool. Mm. No, we need to we need to celebrate big swings. I want more big swings. <laughs> right, I want people to get outside their comfort zone. All right. I guess that's well, why you then, also then, probably could argue that hateful eight's not that good a movie. He's very clearly in his comfort zone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, but Moonlight turns out pretty good. So <laughs> hey, Moonlight, good movie. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't think we need to extol the virtues on Moonlight anymore. I think if you, I think every episode, I think we bring up Moonlight at some point. Yeah. How good the movie that is! Yes. So if, 2017, and if we're gonna say like, oh, what was the best year this decade for movie? For me personally, it would be 2017, mm. because that's the year, as I said, after the storm premiered on U.S. shores. So that that qualifies under my uh, awards rubric. <laughs> uh, it's also the year of my favorite favorite paul thomas anderson movie to come out this decade uh phantom thread mm. there was also a uh, ghost story and a few other like really admirable efforts uh the square by that uh swedish director ruben osland but come on john you know you know it's got to be the mac daddy it's got to be a number one it's got to be christopher <laughs> nolan and dunkirk i mean uh... <laughs> dunkirk is fine it's fine it's, it's glorious it's, it's incredible empty it's spectacle. A cinematic achievement it's not empty how dare you you're the one that can't appreciate it. You just want to gobble down your food. I am Christopher Nolan. <laughs> I direct movies. <laughs> <laughs> you actors over there, say the lines I wrote for you. <laughs> no, that's what the, he was inspired by silent cinema, John. So they, they don't say very much. They don't have much back It's fine. We'll edit around them? it. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> How dare you? All right. He takes his time between movies. At least these are three years. This is a temporal right? experience. <laughs> you don't appreciate him. <laughs> That's my spot on impression of Christopher Nolan. <laughs> Unit 104, as they call him. <laughs> Directobot. Dare, dare you? All right. He's a man who's so is cold. It? He's a deeply emotional man. His movies right. are so he cold. He doesn't know. He's British. He just doesn't know how to. How to... <laughs> How to express them? All right, give him, let him have his art, and let him express himself, even if it comes off as as cold and robotic. Okay. <laughs> All right, we're on the same wavelength, I think. That's that's one thing I'm finding about movies is now, now that uh, everybody's taste is so atomized and and spread out, mm-hmm. and you can look at for exactly what you want. Now movies have to communicate on different wavelengths that may vibe with your frequency. And, yes. And Christopher Nolan still vibes with my frequency. So 2017 is a weird year for me because uh, both of my favorite movies, or at least like two movies that I loved that year, technically mm. didn't come out that year, or at least not according to IMDb. Yeah. Um, first one is Colossal, the Anne Hathaway starring movie that's kind of a spoof of kaiju movies and is more kind of like the uh, uh, you know, personal story of a woman trying to get her life together. And they use kaiju as kind of a metaphor for that. I really yeah. dug that movie. And then the other one is Manifesto. Do you remember this? Starring Kate Blanchett? Yes, it's the one where she's playing many roles, right? Exactly. That, well, that could, that, that could describe a lot of Kate Blanchett movies. <laughs> She it is lit. It was literally started life as an art installation, 
And mm-hmm. so um, it's her um, in different costumes and different kind of scenarios. And one, she's like a homeless person and she's just kind of like rambling, like sounds like a crazy person. The other one, she is giving a eulogy at a funeral. The other one is uh, set up to be a prayer before dinner. And it's all, mm-hmm. you know, these manifestos, again, put in these kind of weird contexts and given that, you know, that bravado that only Kate Blanchett can provide. <laughs> And it's, like, again, talking about, like, the way we experience movies, it's something you just have to let wash over you, because it's completely formless, it's completely structureless, but it's absolutely gorgeous, and it's just such a weird experience watching it, so. Mm-hmm. All right. isolation I am illuminated by the marvelous incandescence of my electrically charged nerves and then of course if I had to give it by default 2017 has to go to Lady Bird because Lady Bird oh yeah just great movie movie. yes absolutely brilliant Mm -hmm. love it female directors we need more of them what's happening yes more movies centered around women, particularly Sosha Ronan. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure, Roman should be in everything. Yes. All right, 2018. This is another far and away winner for me. Mm. Um, even though I I <laughs> came out of the theater baffled and confused, uh, the more <laughs> I thought about it, the more I loved it. And of course, I'm talking about First Reformed. <laughs> mm, yes. Yeah. You've, you've you've talked about this one quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, because it, it it tackles lofty subjects, but all like trapped in the in this middle aged white man, <laughs> embodied by Ethan Hawke. Like I, to, the quintessential totally middle aged white man. Are we right? Like, come on. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. If we all age like Ethan Hawke, the world would be much better for it. <laughs> yes, and continuing a trend, a lot of movies came out this decade that had a narrow either Academy four by three ratio or a square ratio. Mm-hmm. I, I can distinctly remember three seeing three independent movies with that: First Reformed, mm-hmm. Ghost Story, and The Mountain. And I think that, and maybe it's just a a, a, a refutation of widescreen cinematography. Mm. Uh, or like um, the fact that they get in a little bit more height, and it's easier to center actors that way. Yeah, and you don't have to you don't have to fill the frame as much. Or it just converts better to Instagram. That way that's they can true. put it on yes. Instagram a lot that, easier. I think that's what I, I think that was Paul Schrader's original intention. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> this is the ultimate Instagram story about a priest uh, <laughs> struggling. Um, for 2018, for me, it's of course the ballad. Of Buster Scruggs. Absolutely. That was my that was a close number two for me. Yeah. My close number two was of course Aquaman. But uh <laughs> I Yeah, it's funny how we don't have a lot of uh, superhero movies on this list. No, uh, believe it or either not. Either because we can't uh, I know we've seen them. <laughs> but why John, why isn't that they haven't made an impact ten years later? I don't understand it. Um, the, the market spoke. The market said that they're the greatest films of all time. Why why is it? Is it because they don't really challenge or well I think it was yeah as I I do think that there is we are getting closer and closer to comic book movies being a bit more challenging. I think Logan was kind of the first one where people realized, oh yeah, the hard R could be, you know, something that works. Um yeah. but then also twenty eighteen was the year of Spider Man into the Spider Verse, which I thought 
took a lot of big swings and took a lot of big chances um, mm-hmm. with an animated movie, which obviously I think is, has its even more kind of preconceived conceptions of what that's supposed to be. It's supposed to be kitty. It's supposed to be fun. You know, it's, <laughs> it's you know, well, and like, it still is to be fair. It is still fun. And it's, it's a lot of fun, but I think uh, artistically it's got a lot more going on in terms of the visuals as opposed to, you know, say like fucking trolls or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> or an angry birds, the movie. <laughs> yes, that's fair. That's fair. But yeah, so uh, 2018, like, I've, I've noticed as we go along in the decade, I, I've gotten pickier and pickier and harder. It's harder for me to kind of confidently say, like, yes, this was the best movie of the year. <laughs> well, you're approaching your mid-30s, so I think that's when the era when adult grumpiness really sets in. Oh, okay. And you think every movie is uneven. No. <laughs> that's true. Your taste. A lot like, of these uh, movies are uneven, now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah, your taste solidifies. <laughs> yes. I, I'm just grateful that there were a lot of movies late in the decade that did, did still like really pique my interest. But I find that they're all from directors who are either nearing retirement age or <laughs> um, just can't get a movie financed anymore. Yeah. Are you Well, so now we have to go back to 2010, which is my top movie for the whole decade. And when I watched it, I was kind of surprised at how much I loved it because now I have to laud it as probably one of the best movies I've ever seen. And we also watched it for this very podcast. It's Incendiaries. (laughs) Incendie, John. Incendies. Yes. Oh, it's French, but it's, yes, it's French, but it's Iranian. It's everything. (laughs) Yes. It's not Iranian. I think Jordan. It's shot in Jordan. Uh, Yeah, I think it's, and I think it's. It obviously doesn't reference a specific conflict, but I think looking at the parallels, it's meant to be reminiscent of what was happening at Jordan at the time. Okay. Yeah. But, I, but I'm I, very I, happy to hear that, because I, let's not, lest we forget, I'm the one that suggested it. You uh, did. As a modern, yes. So I think you're welcome is in order for me. <laughs> <laughs> I was very impressed at how much I enjoyed this movie. I thought it was fantastic. Mm. Uh, like I've described at the time, the elevator pitch is, it's a separation meets Chinatown. Um, yeah. <laughs> And, um, yeah, and, and Separation was also one of the decade's best. But you're right, it combines, like, kind of that intimate familial drama, but, the, like, the, the scale with which uh, Denis Villeneuve, like, is able to bring to the story. Like, there are a lot of shots that I remember from that movie between the the moment that her mother re- that the mother realizes like who the person is standing at the public pool mm. or uh like when the, when the bus is on fire like all those like still stick sear themselves in my head like a fire <laughs> an incendie if you will well i mean it's and it's also kind of this weird like we we kind of joked like oh it just kind of felt uneven it's there's yeah. something up to be said about an independent film where it's like not a moment feels wasted mm-hmm. and i kind of feel like 
again, going back to what we talked about with you and upstream color, it's mm -hmm. like there is this kind of idea that it's like, oh, I'm an independent filmmaker and I'm making art, so it has to be uh, kind of obtuse and it's got to be weird and it's got to have like moments that might not exactly make sense. It's like everything here is just so tightly packed. There's no wasted moment. And I think that's what also kind of makes it work, at least for me. Like same thing with like Weekend. Weekend is obviously a very kind of like independent movie that moves at the pace of life, but there doesn't feel like a wasted moment in it. So... Um, okay. Are you saying Upstream Color is full of wasted moments? Is that what uh, you're arguing? Yeah. Yeah. No. I think it's, <laughs> the whole movie is a complete waste of time. John, his his head is made out of the same material as the sun. What more do you want? <laughs> <laughs> so what if the worm guy never got caught or faced repercussions for his actions? <laughs> no, he did. He got shot by the lady at the end. All right. This is all very clear. <laughs> Wasn't that a dream sequence? I thought that was a dream I, sequence. Uh, okay. <laughs> No, it wasn't the other guy. I don't know. It's been a while. <laughs> I'm looking more for the feeling. Okay. Yeah. And Ansaudi, like a lot of Denis Villeneuve films, uh, come come across a little bit cold. And I think what my favorite of 2019 was Parasite, if I can tie it to that. Mm -hmm. I think uh, Boom John Ho's Deep Feelings. Mm -hmm. However, this is one in which it was like really focused. Uh, one critic, I wish I could remember his name, said it's almost uh, fascistic in terms of the <laughs> point that it's making across. There is no like ambiguity here. Mm. And that he, he has a clear message and he, and he communicates it brilliantly. And so that's, that's what I admire most about 2019 is when you have this, this artistic statement and it's done to the best of its abilities. Yeah. Um, and versus, also, it's popular. A, it, it got awards. It got recognized. Yeah. <laughs> versus a upstream color, which I, has a lot more on its mind and is much more sloppy. Or a movie like Ghost Story. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, these are movies that are much more sloppy. But they, yeah, as long as they're trying to communicate something and, and evoke a feeling towards me, I, I'm for it. Okay. Uh, that's not the, unfortunately, that's not something that could be said of the MCU all the time. No. I mean, yeah. and you're right. Like, there's something we said about if we kind of have to meet. You have to have meet a movie sometimes where it is yeah not the other way around so sometimes you know you're not in the right mood and maybe i wasn't in the right mood to watch upstream combo who knows maybe i'll revisit it and i'll be like oh okay so or my favorite of the decade thanks you for asking <laughs> okay <laughs> <laughs> was dunkirk with uh spotlight being a close second you could say these aren't exactly emotional experiences mm -hmm. but between the viscerality of uh, Dunkirk would say that the sense of justice that they're going after in Spotlight, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or the the sense of failure that they have. That for me is one of the most evocative scenes is when they realize, oh, we had the story and we buried it on like page thirteen of the metro section. Yeah, and like uh, my favorite performance of that is is uh, Liev Schreiber as the very boring like Marty Baron. <laughs> <laughs> And he, and he basically, in, in spite of his boring way, has to rouse them out of like what you did here was a good, was a great story. So, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I again these these moments stick out to me. I think I think that's what a movie needs is moments, and I I think there were a lot of them this decade. Hopefully, more to come in 2020. Uh, we'll see. Yeah, <laughs> you're not optimistic. <laughs> no, because it's like uh, because it's harder and harder to get things financed. And yeah. I think you've also made the point that, and if not at this episode, then a previous episode, like things are just getting pushed to a smaller and smaller screen. Like things are getting kind of chopped up and put into series form, which sometimes works better, but I think it kind of loses that big communal epic experience that only a theater can provide. So I kind of, I'm, I'm with Martin Scorsese. You know, it's a pity that we might lose that, that we might yeah. lose the cinema going experience. 
having said all that, I do love not having to leave the house. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it has its advantages. <laughs> and as long as Netflix still. I has mean, thank goodness I didn't have to leave the house to go see Aeronauts. <laughs> <laughs> did you actually watch that movie? Yes, I did. Okay. Well, Eddie Redmayne is not improving with time. Nice. <laughs> Well, if you saw him in well, Jupiter Ascending... Of which may... I've also seen him in Jupiter... Like I said, yeah. not improving with time. <laughs> no, exactly, yeah. I'll show you, snooty scientists. I, uh, the weather can be taught. <laughs> <laughs> My blood is I... too blue to listen to this. <laughs> I, 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 I thought you were going to uh, uh, extol his, his performance in, in the Fantastic Beast movies. <laughs> that was not an insult to his... Anybody who struggles with a stutter, that was not my intention. No, it was the making fun of people with Asperger's syndrome. Good job. That, right? No, <laughs> it was making fun of his terrible, terrible performances. Eddie Remain is not a good actor. He's got the look, though. That's all that matters. Yeah. He's, he's got, got the, the face. He's got the the, the uh, aristocrats, the James Franco look to him. <laughs> Doesn't need dialogue. He's got faces. Yeah. <laughs> But anyway, uh, if you do check out one of the, if you do find this uh, as an artifact of this decade, <laughs> and you only have two movies to see, I guess they're Ensemble and Dunkirk. And in Incendi- oh yeah, I, I forgot you were talking about Incendiaries. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you keep giving it that stupid French yeah, title. Yeah, pronounce it. it oh, you mean the correct pronunciation? The whatever. French, the Quebecois fr- pronunciation. Uh, whatever. whatever. Quebecois. Yeah. <laughs> Well, uh, I hope everyone enjoyed this bonus content as they travel either to or from their New Year's Eve party or, mm-hmm. I don't know, to nurse that hangover in on New Year's Day. I don't, I don't think we've helped, but... <laughs> <laughs> Again, just a, a, more of a point of discussion. Like, hopefully we yeah. reminded you that there was other great movies you might not have seen this decade, like Weekend or Take Shelter. So hopefully you can go check those out now. Yeah. Or... That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't want to give any other recommendations. No, I. Well, you picked two of your recommendations. This is. I thought this is BS. I. I thought my picks were were clearly superior, and I won the day. Oh, think, okay. And that's that's what this podcast is really about. Oh, who's got it. Better and smarter, and it's usually me. So. Got it. <laughs> Look forward to hearing us in 2020. Yep. In and which I will dominate John again <laughs> with logic, facts, and reason. Facts don't care about your movie opinions. <laughs> yes. Facts only. Everything wrong with incendiaries. Yeah. In 20 minutes or less. Yes. First, the fact that you can't pronounce ensemble for properly. How come he uses three dots on his heel instead of lines? Lines would have been a much better. <laughs> yeah. What's the protagonist's name? Whatever. We're not going to do that. No. We're not going to nitpick. We're going to love. We're going to cue to love in 2020. Exactly. Let's bring yeah. the love. More Marvel movies, please. <laughs> <laughs> hey, who knows? Maybe they'll take more swings, too. Uh, we can only hope. Not holding out hope, yeah. We can only hope. Yeah. But we'll take a swing for you, people. Yes. All right. So check us out in the new year. Yes. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And, as always, keep aspiring. Oh!